Adam, I'm the teaching pastor here, and uh, we're, we're finishing up a series today on uh, disciple making. We're going to talk about releasing intentionally, but first I wanted to address um, not the elephant in the room, but the tables in the room. Uh, at the end of the service today, we want to encourage you um, to go and visit one of the tables, communications and online is up here, worship ministry, nursery, student ministry, children's ministry, observers and connections, um, because in those in those teams, uh, we find that we can become a better church together. And not only that, but we start to discover and un- uncover a lot of the passions that God has put in us and what, what talents and skills we have to advance his kingdom on earth. It's in those ministry areas that they become a training ground and a proving ground for you to unlock and discover the ways that you can make an impact not just inside the church, but eventually then outside the church, because we have to go from this place. But a lot of times, the things that we do here together get us to a place of better understanding, and then they eventually send us out. And so if you're deeply invested in a ministry area, maybe now is the season to think about changing and finding something that you're not so comfortable with, but you are interested in, and seeing, is this a passion or skill of mine that I could use for God's kingdom? If you've never thought about what online hosting or graphic design or video editing look like, come and talk to us. And and that might be an avenue to use creativity to advance God's message on earth. And so I I would ask for you, before we start the message proper, to just think about and and let sink in, where might I, where might I be able to make a difference as we gather together in this place so that I can discover what God has for me? Um, And so I I just want you to be thinking uh, about that. There will be a a handy, color-coded slide at the end of the service. If you're not sure, if you can't remember, you can go and find one of those tables. But these are the things, when we step into them, that we start to step into the story of eternity being written. When you show up in children's ministry and you intervene in the life of an elementary school kid that doesn't know what stability looks like, and so you can be a little piece of stability that points them to a God, a Father in heaven that loves them by showing up and playing Papa Shot against them on a Sunday morning. I mean, it matters eternally, and you get to play Papa Shot. Win-win, you know? (laughs) And so begin to consider, how can I step into the story that God is writing, this unfolding narrative of his advancing kingdom? All right, that disclaimer over. Now we're going to talk today about Um, stories of disciple making. What does it look like to be a disciple maker? And today, we're talking about releasing intentionally. Over the past three weeks, we've talked about this. Disciple makers live invitationally, they teach relationally, and they release intentionally. In the first week, uh, Kraft, Eric, uh, as many of you know him, I call him Kraft all the time. Uh, he talked about how we need to live lives where we open up and let people in to come and join us along this journey. That a lot of times just preparing a seat at the table is enough to start someone understanding what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
And then once they're in a relationship with you, once you've invited them in, you teach through relationship. Not in the, I turn my nose down at you and I tell you all the things that I know and you don't know because I'm smart and you're dumb, I'm big and you're small. It's not that kind of thing, but it's a, you can see my life and you can learn from the transformation that I have uncovered as I've followed Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, hopefully you can learn from the mistakes that I've made. And so I'm going to teach you through relationship as we live life together. And then the last part, release intentionally. And release is not talking about like some power structure or power grab that you have over a person, but release is encouraging someone to go and do for someone else what you guys have experienced together as you've learned relationally. It's saying to somebody, now you have to go. Because there are these pesky words that Jesus said, therefore go. He said that and he really meant it. He closes Matthew talking about this commandment to go out beyond the borders of your comfort zone and understand that everywhere that you go is a mission field and you need to find somebody to teach what it looks like to be a disciple. More importantly, you need to teach them what it looks like to be a disciple maker. And so we release intentionally encouraging people to go beyond, to push beyond what you have right now. Because like I said, at every step of our lives, comfort zones can become prisons of stagnation. We step out and do something uncomfortable, and then we settle in and like where we are, forgetting that the only reason that we're somewhere we like is because we stepped into something unfamiliar in the first place. So we begin a journey as a disciple maker. You, you feel convicted. You feel like you understand this commandment that Jesus has given us. You, you begin living invitationally. And that, that little part of it, letting people into your lives, inviting people into your life, moves from being uncomfortable or intimidating and it becomes familiar and comfortable. We get used to letting people in. And then we allow people to see our lives, which if you've never done that, if you've never laid bare all of your insecurities and difficulties and helped somebody learn because of the mistakes that you've made, that can be a daunting task and it can feel very vulnerable. But you let somebody see, as Justin said last week, not just your scriptures, but your scars. And this path, this journey of discipleship that Jesus has led you on, you let them see all that transformation that's taken place in those relationships that were once new. They become a treasure. And we feel like you could, I could just walk with this person, this individual person forever over a lifetime, and we would have the best time. I would teach, and they would learn, and we would understand that this little piece of heaven here on earth. But we have to release people on purpose to go and make a difference in a different place so that the kingdom of God can grow. Because what good is a little Garden of Eden shared between two people that's walled off from the outside world because of the notion of planting new seeds and breaking new ground is difficult and uncomfortable. We are not called as a church to build comfortable, access-restricted bunkers of heaven in a scary world. We're called to courageously grow the size and influence of God's kingdom on earth, and it means stepping out into the uncomfortable or unfamiliar or potentially unknown. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go, therefore, and make disciples. We are, from the beginning, supposed to be a disciple-making organization, a place that makes disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, and so on and so on. But for a long time in my life, I misunderstood what that looked like. We've said almost every week this year, if not every week this year, that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. For a long time, I thought the discipleship was handing someone discipleship and saying, I will disciple you, enjoy this product of discipleship, it will make your life better. And I believed in a limited view of what the gospel was supposed to do. I thought that it was just the personal betterment, personal holiness pursuit bit of it. Because when the gospel entered my life, I felt, a lot, I felt a lot of brokenness, and I recognized very deeply all the change that needed to happen in my life. And so for a long time, I wanted God to just change me and make me better and make me better at living, living a life following the example that Jesus set for us when he was a man here on earth, understanding the price that he paid when he came and died on the cross and his body was given and his blood was shed for us and understanding that and trying to move myself towards holiness. But in all of that, as I was trying to understand that better and as I was trying to make myself better, I felt like there was something missing. I knew that I was supposed to make disciples, but I didn't understand what that was. I just wanted to hand them this kind of limited view of your life can be better with Jesus. And I was trying to sell them the product of the gospel that, you, well, it'll be better better for you. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, because it will be. And I realized that the boundaries that I'd put on discipleship stopped at personal betterment. And they didn't extend past into personal mission to understand that each of us is called not just to be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. We're called to be people who understand so well what Jesus has done for us in our lives and are so guided by Scripture that we can teach people what it looks like to follow Jesus at least a little bit better than they do right now. I'm supposed to be able to teach someone how to teach someone to be a disciple of Jesus. And if that lands on you a little bit confusing, it's because it is a little bit confusing. And I have a difficult time with it, and I have to make sure that I say it right every time. That I am not just supposed to teach someone how to be a disciple, but I need to teach someone to understand discipleship so well that they can then teach someone how to teach someone how to be a disciple of Jesus. And it continues on and on. We are called to live our lives making disciples as Matthew 28, 19, and 20 doesn't give us any wiggle room. Go, therefore, and make disciples who obey everything that I've commanded, and I'm commanding you to go and make disciples. And so if you're going to obey everything that Jesus commanded, you have to obey that last commandment to make disciples. And when I recognized that and I moved the target beyond the person that I was working with to the person that they'll work with to understand how to teach discipleship, it was like the whole size and scope of the gospel opened in my life and I understood it a little bit better that of course, 
Of course, it's not just about eliminating sin from my life, though eliminating sin from my life is a good thing and it will make me more free and uh, holier and more full of joy and all those things. But it's also helping someone understand the mission that they have in life as they're going throughout their days is to help people understand the life that Jesus has for them and to understand it well enough that they can help someone else understand the life that Jesus has for them. And it feels like a sort of cyclical definition of confusion, but trust me, this is the thing. That not only are you called to be a disciple of Jesus, but you're called to understand it so you can teach someone how to teach someone to be a disciple of Jesus. You have to think beyond just the person that's right in front of you to the person that they will impact and make a difference on. And it takes a commitment to living invitationally, teaching relationally, and then encouraging people and releasing them on purpose, intentionally moving them beyond. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul uh, writes this, and he says, From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, They're a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed to the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, all of that was a setup to this. We are ambassadors for Christ representatives for his kingdom in the world. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made him who did not know sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. God is making his appeal through us. Us. And I've said this before, I've met me I don't deserve to be the mouthpiece for God's advancing kingdom, but he still chooses us. God is making his appeal through us. Our transformed lives are the training ground for someone else to learn how to be a disciple. I need to know that I'm not done teaching someone how to be a disciple until they know how to teach someone how to be a disciple. And then I start over again with someone else. In other words, as I've said, we'll make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Paul understood this and talks about it a lot in the New Testament. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And in that passage, you can see all of these pieces of being a disciple maker. Follow my example, an invitation As I follow the example of Christ, I'm going to teach you through my relationship, through my changed lives. I'm going to let you see all the things that God has changed. I was once this, but now I'm this because of Christ. As you follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ, and the example of Christ is releasing people to go and make a difference in the world, to go and make disciples in the world. Paul's saying, look, I'll be the standard. You can look at my example And that really leaves room for scrutiny and it opens you up to be vulnerable, but it is important because it helps people see in real life what it looks like 
to let go of, the things that are holding you back, the addictions that might be holding you back, the things of your past, the anger that you had to deal with, the greed that you had to deal with, the the lying that you had to deal with. It, It makes you have to show and tell how you change those things. And it also holds you accountable to actually changing those things. Because when somebody else can see that you're still struggling a little bit with not telling the truth all the time, or you're still struggling a little bit with being angry pretty quickly, it is a mirror that you don't want to look in sometimes. But it's accountability that we all desperately need. And it begins by embracing that commandment that Jesus has for us. Teach someone how to teach someone to be a disciple of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.32 is right before 1 Corinthians 11.1. And Paul is talking about orienting your whole life around what God has for you. And he says, so whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. He's saying live your life so that people can see in your life the gospel at work. And they won't be distracted by any of the cultural hang-ons that might have distracted them, but they'll see God at work in you. And then he follows up that make everything about your life, about Christ, and he's saying, follow my example. Watch me. And the encouragement is that we could do the same. Embrace so deeply a pursuit, not of perfection, but of relationship We can tell people our struggles. We can show people the change that's still needed in our lives. And we can point people to the one who has the answers. The beautiful thing about teaching someone how to teach someone how to be a disciple is that you don't have to have the answers. You just have to be able to point people to the place where you go for answers, which is Jesus himself. It is scripture. It is the word of God. And so we point together to this thing that pulls us onward as we try to live more closely and more in line with the example that Christ has set for us. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, and we need to release people and encourage them to give that same invitation to others. Discipleship is deeply important, but it's not deeply complicated. At its foundation, at its start, it's a willingness to be present in someone's life, to be vulnerable and be truth-seeking with someone. Truth-seeking, to seek and find how life really should be through Scripture, not through your opinion. And letting them see all of what God is doing in your life. At the beginning of this year, I asked you to imagine something with me as we sat in this room. And the thing that I asked you to imagine was, what if, what if four people in the room, just four people, took seriously the call to make a disciple, to teach someone how to teach someone to make a disciple? If just four of us took one year to each disciple two people, and then each of them went and taught two other people how to be a disciple, and and it went so on and so forth, it would only take four years to fill this room with people deeply convicted and willing to become disciple makers. In just four years, every person in here would not just 
be interested in discipleship, but would have a year's worth of training on how to become a disciple maker if we all took it seriously, or if just four of us took it seriously, and we repeated year over year for four years. Not only that, but in 10 years, we would have a number of disciple makers that would fill the city of Miamisburg. In 10 years, with a strong conviction, four people could change a number of people that would fill the city that we currently are sitting in. This is the importance of doing it Jesus' way. It works better, believe it or not, than some other way that we might make up. In just one decade, this entire city could be changed for the sake of the gospel if four of us today decided to set out on that journey. Take seriously the calling to teach someone how to teach someone to be a disciple of Jesus. I had a flashback moment um, when Kraft came into my office this week and I went back to years ago when he was an intern here and he got the opportunity to speak at Butler Springs. It was the last day of camp and he was going to deliver the message and so we worked on it together. He wrote it, I gave feedback, but ultimately the day came when he needed to teach. He had to get up on stage and he had to teach these middle schoolers and he did a great job. It was unrefined. It was the beginnings of a calling. It was the beginnings of a skill set that he would develop over many years and lots of work that he would put into it. But what I saw on that day was him stepping into a calling that was being placed on his life to teach the gospel in settings like this. And I remember not wanting to give him the opportunity to do that because I wanted to speak. I like doing this. And so I didn't want to give up a shot that I had to teach to middle schoolers, especially middle schoolers. What a great age if you're looking for a student ministry position. They have some. But especially, I didn't want to give that up. But releasing intentionally isn't part of it. And releasing in that moment meant me releasing the stage and letting him step into what God was going to have for him and cultivate in him over years and years. And you know who would have lost it if I didn't release that stage? Me, because he would have found it somewhere else. When we release intentionally, we get to see glimpses of what God will do over time because he is a God of restoration and redemption and calling and purpose. And the reason that I was taken back to that moment is because he came in and said, that the speaker at the middle school fall retreat this year was going to be a college student who hasn't had that opportunity before. And it was like we were seeing this in action. When we're willing to let go of the things that we want, that we're comfortable with, that we like, we begin to see something better that God will unfold before us. And so if we would just be willing to let God be in control and we'd be willing to let go of our comfort zones. We will see something unbelievable break forth in front of us because God is who he says he is, and he has a plan for us to walk behind. He's unfolding something for us. But he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. Imagine with me for a second, if you would, that I told one of my kids, Cohen or Emery, to go and clean the room. I said, Cohen, go clean your room. And I go up an hour later, and the room is still a disaster. I say, Cohen, 
I told you to clean your room. He said, yeah, Dad, I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> I even memorized what you said as I can contemplated your original intent on what it meant to go and clean my room. You said, go, and go clean your room. I want it clean. Think about bringing some friends over and discussing what possibly you could have meant about go clean your room. Do you know what I would say to him? I'm so proud of you for studying my word. No, I'd say clean your room. There is no getting out of this. It is an explicit command of Scripture. Go make disciples. Yeah, you too. All of us. An unbelievable invitation to join God in what he's doing in the world. And we get to spend our lives getting better and better at making disciples, getting better and better at learning how to teach people, how to teach people to become disciples of Jesus because this lifelong pursuit expands and grows the size and influence of the kingdom of God. We get to take part in what he's doing in the world. So go and make disciples. Will you pray with me? God, we are shocked that you would take someone like us. I'm shocked that you would take someone like me and use me to grow your kingdom on earth. But help me to see and to recognize the opportunities that you've laid before me where I can step into your story as it unfolds. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.